Hi, I'm Anjali. And I'm Martha. And welcome to Public Health on Duty, where we talk to some of the most inspiring young minds in the Philippine public health system. Join us as we talk to our guests about their stories, learn about their career journey, and chat about their wins and everyday challenges. So Martha, who is our special guest for today? Today's guest will give us a little peep at the regulation side of health. During the COVID-19 pandemic, she oversaw the Food and Drug Administration and the Health Regulation Team in the Office of the Secretary. Welcome to Public Health on Duty, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast, Lindsay. Could we get a quick intro for our listeners? Thank you, Ange and Martha. Thank you for having me here. So, um, I'm Lindsay M. Orsolino. My pronouns are she and her. And um, I'm currently working as a supervising health program officer for the Department of Health under the Mental Health Division. And previously, I work with the Office of the Secretary and I'm one of the executive assistants handling the health regulation team, the Food and Drug Administration, among the other teams previously assigned to me. So, Lindsay, you were a graduate of Development Communications in UP Los Baños, right? Yes. So, why did you decide to pursue public health after that? Um, actually, hindi talaga intentional yung pag-pursue ko ng um, public health. So, back then, I only had practical reasons, no? Um, parang as soon as I learned that I was officially graduating, yung nasa list ka na ng mm-hmm. graduating students. Kasi di ba parang the the mindset was matagal yung pag-revert ng mga um, employers if you actually had to apply for jobs. So, it some says it would take you... Um, three to six months before they will get back to you. So, syempre, bilang panganay, I feel like I had to, um, needed to work immediately and mm-hmm. um, land a stable job so I can support my family. So, nung sure na ako nag-graduate na ako, I started na to browse for jobs online and then I, I came across this Facebook group where my daily postings, regular postings ng mga um, development sector jobs. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are I know that. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> Yon. So, parang um, I came across this uh, health communications officer post ng Department of Health under the Health Policy Development and Planning Bureau. So, um, nag-apply ako. I sent my resume. And then they uh, immediately re- reverted back naman that I was qualified for uh, to take an exam and yung initial screening interview. So, um, apparently, it turned out na may iba pang candidates fit for that specific position. Pero the hiring team, yung research research division noon, they offered me another opportunity that they thought that would suit me, no? Dun sa credentials ko and based siguro dun sa exams and the interview that they conducted. Mm-hmm. So, yun, nilagay nila ako dun sa current uh, fellowship program ng DOH noon. This is before the AHEAD pa. May mas... Um, may naunang fellowship noon before the more structured one, which is ahead. Interesting. So actually for the listeners, no, I was with Lindsay in that ahead HPSR yeah. research fellowship. Mm-hmm. So it's about health policy and systems research. Yes. But Lindsay, um, since you mentioned that when you entered the DOH, this was a different um Ano ba? Permutation of the research fellowship. Mm-hmm. What was your first portfolio when you entered the DOH? Yeah. So, uh, for the first permutation of the fellowship, yung unang naabutan ko, parang um, we were a team of three. 
And then yung initial assignment namin was to uh, also develop yung this omnibus policies for uh, the priority area of the administ- administration back then. So uh, we reviewed policies on immunization, tobacco and smoking, healthy lifestyle, reproductive health, family planning, uh, drug abuse, and mental health. Mm. So we reviewed all DOH policies and insu- issuances on this area. Tapos we had to determine alin yung mga policies yung for repealing na or for rescindment and aling provisions yung um, already uh, amended by um, succeeding policies. So yun, from the very beginning, parang na-expose na ako talaga una pa lang sa uh, policy-making process. Right. And then after nan, ba, parang even though we're part of the of that uh, initial group dun sa fellowship program, um, nung ahead na, we also had to reapply. Diba? And specifically, kailangan natin mag-choose ng study groups that we wanted yeah. to be a part of. So yun, nung uh, we applied for the AHEAD HPSR track, Health Policy yeah. and Systems Research track, I was part of the Health in All Policy study group. Health right. financing ka, yeah. yeah. So yung sa amin, we handled portfolios on standards and strategies that um, address yung issues concerning the uh, social determinants of health. So yeah. we were also tasked to develop noon yung um, health executive agenda for legislation, yung heal, yeah. yung mga priority uh, bills that we wanted to pursue on the side of the department and um, provide monitoring support to these legislations. And nung... Um, as a HBSR fellow, yung court portfolio ko na nun, na-assign sa akin yung tobacco control portfolio and yung legislatives yeah. of, uh, legislative efforts of the department in tobacco control. So I handled yung uh, two syntax reforms, yes. e-cigarette regulation, um, nagkaroon din ng taxation on e-cigarettes, and of course, yung mga av- amendments and improvements on the framework convention on tobacco control. So you really started in policy talaga. Yeah. And then it kind of like um, centered into social determinants and health promotion yes. during the fellowship mm-hmm. program. And then parang paundi-undi, no? you, you were being directed to regulatory mechanisms. Kasi yeah. nga, you mentioned na you were handling tobacco control, yes. including fiscal policies, mm-hmm. ba? So fast forward to your graduation from the AHEAD HPSR Fellowship. You entered the office of the secretary. Yes. So um, can you tell us more about your work and the teams that you handled? Okay. So right after AHEAD, um, I was given the opportunity to work with the office of the secretary and provide um, assistance, of course, to to the Secretary of Health. So I've handled several teams, actually. Um, Yung Health Regulation Team, FDA, Office of the Chief of Staff, FICT, Field Implementation and Coordination Team, PSCMT, Procurement and Supply Chain Management, uh, AFMT, Administration and Financial Management Team. So actually, yung uh, working dynamics din naman natin sa OSIC before, di ba? Parang um, it was also good na iniikot tayo yung mga team assignments natin so as to broaden yung uh, knowledge din natin and expertise right, in right. the in the different fields and mandates of the department so i think that's that's a good thing then so 
actually, I'm curious about what health regulation looks like. You mentioned earlier, you know, you have your fiscal policies, you have syntax, those fall into health regulation, but then what other services or activities fall under health regulation exactly? Actually, maraming um, processes involved in regulation. Like generally, kasi the entire regulatory process, parang meron siyang three main goals. It. It's ensuring the um, quality versus the quality, safety, and yung affordability of the health products and services. Mm. So there are many countries that have more mature regulatory uh, processes in place compared dito sa atin sa Philippines. So sometimes we use them as our models or um, benchmark yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, to be able to um, set yung mga standards natin dito sa sa Philippines. So, yung uh, regulation, it involves several things that we are currently regulating. We have the um, drugs and different medical devices whose quality and safety are being assured by the Food and Drug Administration. And yung access and affordability naman, it's the PD who, or the pharmaceutical division who makes sure na um, affordable yung ating mga drugs and medicines so that it can be accessed by um, the Filipinos. And lastly, we also regulate yung mga health facilities natin. Siyempre, to ensure yung patient safety and um, provide yung mga necessary services na kailangan ng ating mga pasyente. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, oh. I feel like all of those things are super important for the COVID-19 pandemic. Parang isipe mo, it's a novel virus and you're coming up with all of these novel technologies, uh, novel drugs, novel vaccines even. Yeah. So can you tell us the experience of health regulation during the pandemic? Ano yung mga nangyari during okay. that time? So noon, I mean even now, siguro even now talaga, we still had a lot to learn about yung pandemic and yung virus. So kailangan very careful tayo in terms of setting yung policies and yung mga um, standards of care natin sa COVID-19. So nag-evolve yung virus and of course yung mga treatment protocols and yung mga means of detecting yung virus also evolves. And then um, noon, di ba, parang hindi tayo capacitated enough to detect or even have this uh, set of protocols ready agad. So mm-hmm. we had to benchmark or we had to um, learn from the best practices of other countries in terms of setting these regulatory processes. Right. And then, of course, um, as mentioned kanina, no, we wanted to reiterate na ang goals naman ng um, health regulation is ensuring yung uh, quality, safety, and affordability ng ating health products and services. So noon, since um, especially nung height ng pandemic, hindi talaga natin afford to risk yung lives ng ating mga kababayan. So kailangan talaga nating aralin kung ano yung mga ginagawa ng ibang bansa. And um, of course, i-balance din no, yung mga global issues that brought about by the COVID-19 pandemic like um, ensuring yung mga availability of tests, yung mga products, yung mga devices. And uh, of course, we also have to recognize yung limitations ng global supply chains. We also have to balance that. And at the same time, um, we also need to make sure that these products pass yung mga standards ng mga countries na may more, more mature regulatory uh, processes and systems sa atin. So, mm-hmm. yun yung parang pinaka-baseline natin for us to um, determine which of these uh, 
COVID-19 products, treatments, and vaccines would be implemented dito sa atin. Of course, on top of that, no, we also had different experts panel, experts panels that evaluated yung mga um ating mga bakuna, yung right. mga testing devices natin nung una pa lang. And um through this uh, processes in place, no, naging um we were able to put in place safeguards and yung mga safety nets and mechanisms to make sure na bago ma-reach, bago natin ibaba sa mga tao itong mga uh, products na ito, itong mga vaccines na ito, ay nakapasa siya sa mga uh, standards na sinet natin beforehand. Alam mo, speaking of benchmarking, ha? kasi di ba, before naman magkaroon ng pandemic, wala naman tayong mechanism for having an emergency use authorization. Yes. Diba? Parang yeah. before it was just, if you have a new drug, apply ka for a certificate of product, product registration. registration. But because globally, diba, parang all of these regulatory institutions had to put this in place because it's an expedited route. Yeah. Um, but still ensuring the safety of these novel drugs, diba? Parang tayo rin, syempre, diba? Kinailangan nating sumunod dun sa yeah. global benchmark na yun. Lindsay, um, you mentioned um, the different expert panels that were involved in the regulation of um, different health services and different health commodities during the pandemic. Um, and I believe you were one of the secretariat of the COVID-19 Laboratory Expert yes. Panel. Can you tell us about that experience? Um, so yung COVID uh, Lab Experts Panel or yung CLEP na tinatawag namin. <laughs> parang um, CLEP. It's, <laughs> it's one of the experts groups na mga naunang i-organize. So etong CLEP, we pulled in experts from different specializations from uh, the medical field and eventually yung series of consultations and technical um, discussions with them, it led to the development ng licensing standards natin for COVID-19 laboratories. No? So we had to make sure na yung COVID-19 facilities natin are well-equipped to uh, manage cases while also ensuring safety of our healthcare workers. So isa pang tinrabaho din ng CLEP noon ay yung um, paano natin gagamitin yung mga antigen kits? Yes. Oh, yeah. As we have been, di ba, uh, ever since advocating for a rational use of these kits to maximize yung efficacy ng mga kits na yon. So, yung, mostly yung CLEP, parang it, uh, they help us in drafting regulatory policies on testing and the use of um, testing devices and kits. Oh, yeah. I remember nga, um, at the start of the pandemic, we only had RITM as the laboratory. Yes. Na, oh, actually, no, even before that, but we had to send out our our samples to Australia, Australia. for them to run the RT-PCR test for mm-hmm. COVID. And then um, eventually, RITM was able to run its own test. Na. Mm-hmm. But ang laki ng burden, I guess, to be able to establish yung regulatory requirements for the laboratories. I feel like people don't appreciate na hindi lang siya basta parang magsiset up ka lang ng yes. facility. Ang like, daming kailangang yeah, pagdaanan. Um, 
may WHO requirement na BSL-2 yeah. yung laboratories mm-hmm. which is super stringent talaga yeah. it's necessary. Yeah, of course. I think yung people also has to understand na hindi ka naman pwedeng basta-basta makapag uh, makapagtayo dyan ng um, facilities lang. So we have to remember na ang hinahandle natin, it's a novel virus and it has to be um, taken care of or handled very meticulously. So yeah. that is why yung mula sa requirements kung anong isusuot ng mga HRH mm-hmm. natin, ano yung mga equipments na dapat nasa laboratory, how do we transport yung samples from yung collecting facility yeah. mo to the laboratory. So lahat yun meticulously inaral ng ating mga experts and of course with the help of yung mga technical offices natin sa HFSRB, sa FDA and all other offices para lang mabuo talaga yung standards natin for um, the COVID-19 facilities. Totoo. Lindsay, what would you say naman are the challenges um, that the DOH faced in implementing these health regulation interventions especially during the height of the pandemic? Hmm. I think yung um, since kinakailangan nga nating sabayan yung pag-evolve ng uh, virus and the new things that we learn every day, the new developments that um, we learn sa COVID-19. So kailangan mabilis din nakaka-adapt yung resources natin. Right. Uh, ba? Parang, um, for example, if may na-discover or may naaral silang bagong testing device or new vaccine, so, kailangan tayo on our end, ready tayo to be able to implement then in uh, locally itong mga new technologies na ito. So, um, yun din, yung limitations ng health system natin itself ay um, challenge during the pandemic. So, actually, alam mo, very important nga talaga yun, no, na to communicate to the public that these regulatory processes are not just bureaucratic, diba? It really aims to ensure the safety and quality of these products. Because at the end of the day, if hindi, diba? Parang it's gonna bring more harm to the patients. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it's our regulatory institutions really have to make sure that the processes that they implement are updated or up to date, diba? If there are some things that they needed to streamline, di ba? Kailangan talaga siyang i-innovate. Mm-hmm. Speaking of innovations in the health regulatory processes, CFDA, kinailangan niya talagang i-implement yung pagbibigay ng emergency use authorization for the COVID-19 vaccines. Siguro, Lindsay, um, for the benefit of our listeners, can you explain to us what the difference of an EUA is versus a CPR or a Certificate of Product Registration? Okay, that's a good um, question, Martha. No? So for the Certificate of Product Registration, this is a form of um, pagbibigay ng license sa ating mga drugs and vaccines so they can be um, available in the market already provided na yun nga, certain drugs and vaccines should be um, 
bought with uh, prescriptions from your physicians. Well, as yung emergency use authorization, this is the path that we had to take now since we're under a um, public health emergency of international concern. So we had to expedite yung process of approvals natin ng ating mga vaccines. So dito sa Philippines, yung government lang or yung DOH, yung holder ng EUA for this um, certain kinds of vaccines and that yung government lang then yung um, kaya at dapat mag-distribute to target populations only. So it's uh, since bago nga itong mga bakuna, it is uh, highly regulated and uh, we are also strictly monitoring yung mga tao na nabigyan natin ng vaccines so as to continuously monitor yung um, effects and efficacy ng mga bakuna natin. Uh, actually, that just kind of shows na how we had to kind of shift strategies also during the pandemic na parang yes, regulation is really important. We need to safeguard the health of the people but when we also have to like be agile in mm-hmm. our response. So kudos talaga sa FDA for doing the EUA really. Like we were able to issue out millions of vaccines because of the EUA. So what you got on your arm, work din yan ng FDA. So Lindsay, we want to know more naman about your life as a public health professional. What are you doing now in the DOH? Um, so ngayon, after the OSEC work, no? so we basically handled teams before dun sa mga deliverables nila. And um, after OSEC, I went back to policy and program work. So I am now with the Mental Health Division of the Disease Prevention and Control um, Bureau under the Public Health Services team. And I work as a supervising health program officer. So for this assignment, uh, I wear two hats. No? So una as a... Uh, policy or program person. So basically, yung ginagawa um, namin ngayon or ginagawa ko ngayon ay um, streamlining yung implementation ng mga um, initiatives natin under the mental health program and ensuring na yung um, how we operationalize yung mga provisions of the Mental Health Act ay isinasabay natin dun sa current strategies natin in the DOH. And of course, as we implement yung universal health care law and um Isa sa mga examples na lang din siguro of the things that I'm working on now is yung standardizing yung mga um, services natin, mental health services in schools, in workplaces, and in the communities and sa facilities then. So um, I'm also part of the Philippine Council for Mental Health um, Technical Secretariat. So basically, we oversee yung um, implementation then ng mga provisions of the law, yung mga deliverables ng other national government agencies, and how... Um, these contribute in the overall goals of the Mental Health Act. Uh, advocacy mo ba yung mental health? Um, yes, actually. Since yan nga, I've also um, have several experiences with um, close people, colleagues who suffers from um, mental health conditions. And um, I myself is also diagnosed with a, a mental health condition. So parang this is my uh, way of giving back na rin to the public kasi not all uh, not all of us have the same privileges like we have na tayo nasa healthcare tayo alam natin kung paano i-access itong mga mental health services na ito and so parang sana yun din yung vision ko for everyone na maging accessible yung mga mental health services saan mang entry points sa school man sa workplaces or the community so I think malaking bagay yun once ma-establish natin yun mm-hmm. actually Ngayon na nagpa-pandemia, I feel like 
Yeah. Dapat nga talaga, everybody ma- must have access to mental health services. Mararamdaman mo talaga yung effects mm-hmm. sa emotional and mental well-being mo. Yung nakakulong ka ng matagal or you're away from yung usual uh, na nakakasalamuha mo. Yeah. But what is, what is it like for you being able to work on your advocacy now in public health? Um, it's empowering. Kasi parang um, you're extending yung mga, you're extending yung kaya mong gawin to other people in the form of public, uh, in the form of policies and programs that you get to develop and implement. Kasi nasa DOH central office tayo. And right. at the same time, no, parang it's also a way of expanding then my technical knowledge on mental health since uh, this is a different portfolio na that I'm that I'm handling. So, lahat naman ito ginagawa natin to be able to provide yung talagang uh, services na tina-target yung actual needs ng uh, mga tao. So, so Linz, um, since you mentioned that this is a new portfolio for you, what would you say is the difference with your current work right now compared to your work before as a fellow and also as an executive assistant in the office of the secretary? Kasi nung fellow tayo, parang very structured yung um, fellowship program natin. Eh. So very well defined then yung mga output na kailangan nating i, um, ilabas or i-develop. And then while we are um, learning yung fundamentals ng government processes noon, since di ba naka-distribute um, tayo to different offices, right. providing assistance to them, na kakapacitate din tayo as fellows noon no, to further enrich yung mga technical skills natin. Tapos nung um, EA naman, I think um, mas na-appreciate natin yung value of complete staff work. So we were trained to uh, strategize and be more forward-looking in terms of um, yun nga, developing yung strategies natin and how we want to go about um, yung mga portfolios natin. And I think nung sa EA din, mas na-enhance yung mga soft, mga soft skills natin. No? So right. management, mga people skills natin, the way we interact and um, talk to other people, to talk to other offices. And natas din naman yung mga values and principles natin. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, uh, we're really dealing with uh, different kinds of people. So, yun, matitest din talaga yung um, mga soft skills natin. And ngayon naman, as a supervising health program officer, um, I can't say nas the work is lighter, pero mas uh, control ko. I have um, more control of my time and mas may leeway in terms of um, managing yung portfolios ng hawak ko. So, mas free ako to strategize or to do things uh, that I want para ma-achieve yung mga necessary outputs for this specific uh, program. Right, right. So now I get why Lindsay thinks nga na this is a very empowering work. Because essentially, you're calling the shots on mental health. No, I'm just kidding. But like, diba? Parang, yeah, totoo. Kasi kung tutusin compared to other programs, baby program pa siya. So mm-hmm. unlike yung mga uh, mga existing na matagal na, parang like ngayon sa mental program, health, yes, you can, you can freely uh, call the shots nga of what you wanted to implement. So it's like 
a blank canvas talaga na pwede mong ipatupad, of course, based on uh, mga evidences and yung mga best practices mm-hmm. mo. So, I think yun din yung advantage of uh, being able to handle this portfolio. Yeah, parang ngayon nga lang din nagkaka-awareness yung general public about mental health. I don't know, maybe as an advocate and as yung supervising health program officer of the program, maybe do you have tips for the general public on how they can be like better friends to people who are struggling with mental health? Um, first and foremost, feeling ko wag din tayo palagi mag-assume of the situation or kung anong pinagdadaanan ng isang tao. So, we always try to uh, situate ourselves doon sa kanila kasi for us to better understand them. And minsan kasi hindi naman nila kailangan ng advice or mm, ganon. Yeah. So I think um, it would also be nice to ask if ano ba talaga yung kailangan ng, per- ng tao. Parang um, do you want my advice or is it enough na... I will be listening lang to you. So, yung mga ganong uh, very basic sensitivities that we have to consider is um, a lot help na doon sa taong nakaka-experience ng mga mental health conditions. Yeah, that's great. I think everybody could be a better listener. Yes, and never ever invalidate yung mga feelings and emotions na pinapakita ng mga tao kasi wala tayong idea kung ano yung pinagdadaanan nila. So, always, always respect whatever um, emotions or feelings that they are showing you because there's always uh, very valid reasons behind it kung ano man yun. Yeah. Sometimes people don't know, no? But actually, just being there physically yes. or let's say, answering their call, no? Mm-hmm. If they call you, parang it's already good enough or it's already a big help to people who are having these mental health conditions. But it's interesting na nakahantong ka sa ganitong punto na you eventually, um, you know, with your vast experience in public health, you're now pursuing something that you, you feel passionate about. So I think it would also be nice to hear from you. What is it that you like most about being in public health? Um, siguro unang-una that I am surrounded with different people na talagang magagaling and are able to share yung mga res- expertise nila in their respective fields. So every day talaga, I, um, it's a new learning since hindi naman ako uh, from a medical back- background, I don't have a health background. So araw-araw talaga natututo ka. And siguro sa atin sa DOH, we are really fortunate enough to be surrounded uh, by mentors, by very good colleagues that would help you nurture yung mga skills mo and um, provide assistance and help whenever you needed to. So I think yun yung isang pinaka uh, na-enjoy ko. That's why I stayed then in public health. And of course, yung tons of opportunities na naibibigay sa atin. No? Since inaalaw tayo to be with the people, to meet with different agencies, with different stakeholders. So, na-expand yung network natin. And of course, yun nga, uh, more than the connections, yung mga natututunan natin dito sa mga taong to. It's uh, talagang, it's part of kung sino man tayo ngayon. Speaking of 
opportunities and learning. Lindsay, um, why do you think more DevCom majors should go into public health? As a DevCom student, I think yung public health is one of the best fields where we can um, hone and practice yung DevCom skills natin no? from strategic communications to technical writing uh, to planning, execution, and management ng mga initiatives. So actually, maraming similarities yung um, pagiging DevCom and sa public health. No? Both fields share the same outcome of um, making a difference in the quality of life of communities, of people from the grassroots. Kasi sa DevCom practice, yun din talaga yung tinatarget namin, yung mga hindi nare-reach ng uh, mainstream media. So we usually uh, work with a marginalized group of people. Right. And then um, methods-wise naman, both, feel, both uh, fields advocate for a um, targeted and people-oriented uh, solutions to problems. So we make sure na yung mga strategies natin, um, we really strive for behavior change of young individuals. So, hindi rin naman din talaga nagkakalayo yung dalawang fields. And lahat naman, yun, isa din natutunan ko, lahat naaaral, lahat kayang aralin. That was very insightful, Lindsay. Baka may gusto ka bang ibang pabaon para sa ating mga listeners? Any advice? for the students who might want to go to public health? Mm, sa mga students and mga young at heart. <laughs> um, I think you just really have to be open to all the um, possibilities and embrace yung mga opportunities that public health will give you. Um, ngayon, no, we, the more that we need uh, more people in public health representing different fields, and expertise since um, we prioritize addressing yung mga underlying determinants of health with the enactment of the universal health care. And of course, no, parang um, sa public health talaga, nire-recognize yung um, contribution and importance of all the sectors. And right. um, it's a very, very uh, rewarding field to be in. All right. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for joining us here in Public Health on Duty. Yes, super. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you again, Ange and Martha, for having me here. Until the next time. But now, it's time to drop the JQW book recommendation of the day. You know, health regulation is just one of the facets of global health justice. So we'd like to offer you some big picture insights through Lawrence O. Gostin's book, Global Health Law. This book will help you grow a deeper appreciation for the scope and scale of global health and the challenges we face, especially in terms of the legal norms, processes, and institutions needed to create conditions for people throughout the world to attain the highest possible level of health. Yeah, so make sure you read all the book recommendations so far because we'll have a quiz next episode. Charot! But in all seriousness, we do hope you appreciate our recommendations. Thanks for listening to this episode of Public Health on Duty. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Public Health on Duty is a joint production between Epimetrics Inc. and Big Baby Studios. Dr. John Q. Wong is our executive producer. Editing and hosting by Anjali Magdaraog and Martha Dilapaz. Our producers are Abigail Tan and Antoinette Mendoza. 
sound engineering and original theme music by PV Nicolas. You can find out more about Epimetrics at www.epimetrics.com.ph or at EpimetricsPH on Facebook and Instagram. This has been Martha. You can find me on Instagram at underscore call me Martha. And I'm Anjali. I am not on social media, but you can catch Martha and me on the next episode of Public Health on Duty. Bye!